Welcome, I'm Chris Tinsley. This is Finances for Everyone, where our goal is to help you buy a home or investment property. Today, we're gonna be talking about one of my terrible banking experiences when I was buying one of my investment properties. If you wanna find out more about Finances for Everyone, go to the show notes and click on financesforeveryone.com. Let's just jump right on in to my terrible banking experience. So um, as I've been hitting on in a lot of my videos, uh, this is really a classic example of taking someone's word and uh, you know getting hung up on somebody, the first person that you talk to that's offering kind of what you want, um, instead of really vetting your people and finding a high quality uh, individual. So getting into the story, um, you know, first I should mention, I already had a banker uh, that I had used on multiple properties. So why I went out and looked for another one, I really have no idea besides my constant need to search for a lower interest rate. And so that's basically what I was doing. I was getting recommendations from people um, and I was trying to find the lowest monthly payment. So for investment properties, it can sometimes be a search um, to find a good interest rate loan after a number of deals. Uh, because you know, you, just like anything else, you wanna find the longest term possible for the lowest interest rate so that you can have more cash flow in your property. So as I searched, you know, I found a lot of bankers out there, uh, you know, looking at my numbers and offering me loans, you know, really all across the spectrum. So I got quoted for 20 year fixed mortgages and 15 year fixed, as well as 20 uh, year variable, 10 year fixed. Uh, it was really all over the place. And so at this point, you know, with a number of properties and really the state I was in, the only way that I could get most of my numbers to work out is with a 30 year fixed loan. Um, so the hunt was on for me and I was searching for that longest term with the lowest interest rate that would work for my particular debt to income ratio. So uh, looking back on it, I was really just tired of looking for a good deal uh, and I really was ready to settle. So like most things, that's not really a good place to be at all. Uh, and it's easy to you know, preach patience, but in hindsight and in the moment, it's a lot harder to practice. And so everybody I was talking to, uh, you know, I was trying to find a good banker recommendation uh, that they had worked with and I called them up. So I start talking to a local banker uh, that's actually in my area. And so looking at my numbers, he says that I can get 30 year fixed rate um, with a fairly low interest rate. Uh, and so in my mind, I was like, that's great. And I really shut out my better judgment to ask a lot more questions to really vet uh, this banker properly because I'd met my goal. I found um, you know numbers that worked for me on the loan I was looking for. So I decided to work with this individual. And uh, you know, he seems great. And I got my pre-approval letter. And you know, shortly thereafter, I had a house deal uh, set up. And so that is really when the problem started happening. So let's move on to the first red flag. So, uh, you know, if you've ever gotten a mortgage before, you know there's a lot of paperwork to send in. You know, you have to have proof that you have enough assets compared to your debt. You know, really uh, standard practice, not a red flag yet. And it seemed like everything was going pretty smooth at the beginning. Uh, you know, and asking for paperwork is completely normal. Uh, but in this case, it didn't stop. Uh, he just kept asking for more and more and more paperwork. Um, it was just like the common bank statements and uh, normal paperwork was not enough. So every time I sent him something new, uh, it was like something else was required. So let's just put this in perspective about how many forms I'm really talking about. So by the time it was all said and done, I sent in approximately 51 forms. Uh, which is really crazy for a residential property uh, at that point. So if you compare that to the last house that I had purchased, I only had to send in 20 forms, so, so less than half. So it really is if they had the craziest underwriting ever, or really they had no idea what was going on. 
Um, and it didn't really help that this banker had no understanding of what his underwriting requirements were, or he just had a very bad relationship with the underwriting uh, department. Because every time I'd ask for details for what the underwriting was trying to accomplish, um, it was like there was a huge disconnect. So this really you know should have made me back out of the loan um, based on like the loan clause however they hadn't denied me for my loan they were just really giving me the runaround so it was really unclear if i backed out of this um, deal with this you know banker if i would even get my earnest money back because i really wanted to purchase the property still um, and i really wasn't willing to lose the deal because of a bad banker so i really hung on uh, through all of this back and forth and it really got to be even a bigger waste of time <laughs> So the second red flag um, was a bigger waste of time because of all the money transfers I ended up having to do. So, uh, you know, just like with any house, uh, you know, most houses you have to put down for 20, 20%, um, you know, to buy the property. And it's a pretty simple transaction most of the time. So you show your money in the account and cut a cashier's check uh, before you're closing. The only other layers that I had with this transaction is that I was using home equity line of credit or HELOC for a portion of the closing costs. So I showed my money in my HELOC and I transferred into my business account where the rest of the closing money was. Uh, this was also the account where he indicated the money should go when I talked to him. And of course, uh, when transferring the money, it takes a few business days to actually go through. So that first transfer took about three business days to complete. I show my proof of funds that the money's in the account, all seems good. And then he comes to me a day later and says that underwriting needs that money to be back in my HELOC and then into my personal account since it was a personal loan and not a business loan. So I had to put the HELOC back into my personal account since it was a personal loan and not a business loan. There was no explanation as to why this was such a problem. It just keeps using you know, the underwriting excuse. Uh, now this was a personal loan, which is of course why I checked with him to see if it was fine to put my HELOC money uh, in that account where the rest of my money was. Now, instead of transferring that money from my business account uh, into my personal, they want me to transfer it back into my HELOC to show where the funds came from. So I transfer that money uh, from my business back to my HELOC, which takes another three business days. Then I have to transfer it from my HELOC to my personal account, which takes another three days. So I finally get that HELOC money uh, to my personal account, and I think that I am all done. Uh, I'm good to go. But it's not over because I still have non-HELOC money in my business account uh, for the closing that they didn't want me to transfer directly to my personal account. So as it turns out, I end up having to wire all of the money directly to the attorney's escrow fund. Uh, and this not only delayed my closing, but it was a nightmare for transferring. So their underwriting team did not seem to have a clear understanding about what they wanted to accomplish um, you know, at the beginning when I was asking all the questions about where they wanted the money. Uh, and I couldn't get clear answers as to what I needed to do throughout the entire process. But they kept having me transfer money around like a crazy person. And these are things that they should be dealing with on every single loan and should be able to an be answered up front. Uh, instead, my banker had no idea what was going on and seemed confused every single step of the way. So some of the bad character traits that this guy had, um, you know, he wasn't prepared or knowledgeable uh, about the loan, about the underwriting process at his bank. And it really turns out that he was in it just for the money. So this guy didn't even bother to show up um, for the house closing. And I've taken a number of loans out and 
I've always had the loan officer at the closing. Um, and if they won't, can't, you know, be at the closing, they'll at least give you a gift or write you a nice letter of congratulations, an email. Uh, this guy, this banker did none of that. Uh, he couldn't even take me the time to shoot just a quick email um, to me saying congrats, nice working with you, anything like that. Um, he was just a terrible loan officer that was just in it for the money and really had no desire to build any relationships, um, which is why, you know, when you're vetting people, when you're trying to find good experts to work with, you want to make sure you're asking all these questions. You're talking to people that have worked with them, um, you know, in the past directly and uh, really finding out what this business is about, what their underwriting process is like on the front end, not finding it out, you know, from the loan officer, but actually getting it uh, from people that have used them in the past. Of course, it's always easier to look back in hindsight to what I should have done differently, uh, but it's a lot harder in practice. So, you know, I should have taken the time to understand the underwriting process as well as gauge the knowledge level um, and experience of this banker. And I can tell you that he was not experienced um, banker at all. And if I would have asked more detailed questions up front, uh, I think I would have figured it out. That was my terrible banker experience, but it doesn't have to be your terrible banker experience. Uh, you know, that is why I have the resources that I do in finances for everyone. Uh, what we're trying to do here is help you to find a home. So whether it's your primary home, whether you're trying to find a rental or a flip, um, you know, working with good experts is going to go a long way. So if you want to know more questions that you can ask them, uh, more detailed tools that you can use to help yourself stay organized all along the way. So go to the show notes and you can click on a link to find out more. We have a real estate course. We have a pro version, but we also have a light version. Um, if you're lo just looking to stay surface level and not go too in depth about every single way, um, you know, that you can help yourself to find deals. But if you want to find good experts that can help you find a home in your area, I definitely recommend this course for you. So go ahead and go to the show notes, click on that link and find out a little bit more about the course. Hope you enjoyed today's video. If you want to find out more, go to the show notes, click on financesforeveryone.com where you can read our blog. You can also get a free gift by filling out your information in the banner. Uh, if you want to find us on YouTube or podcast, just type in finances for everyone. And be sure to subscribe and like this episode. Till next time.